This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Ronald takes the snap, looks left under pressure. Bullets one over the middle. And welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. We're your hosts, Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. We figured we'd come at you with another podcast, just talking about some of the things that have been happening with the New York Jets over the last few days with Brian Winters being released, with C.J. Mosley opting out. Uh, And, you know, we we had three mailbag episodes come out in the last few days uh, that have done really well, so we thank everybody for for listening to them. But they didn't really talk about Mosley or Brian Winters or, you know, just the Jets kind of kicking off training camp. So we figured we'd we'd do that today. Uh, And then also uh, we will have uh, some Adam Gase film review episodes coming up later this week. We're recording them today uh, with Robbie Sabo, co-owner of Jets X Factor, um so be on the lookout for those but we figured we'd come at you today with uh just a, a brand new fresh episode of cool your jet so michael how you doing man I, i'm doing good and I'm, I'm happy to see all these tweets every day of the players practicing uh actually being out there on the field and playing so we're getting pretty close no preseason to kind of ease into it so it'll be a lot different we're a lot further from seeing actual football than we usually would be at this point, but the players are out there and we're closing in. So it's exciting to actually have some real news to talk about and soon some real games to break down. Yeah, I think football season or I guess jet season always starts for me when they have the media day and we see all the photos of them in uniform. Um, but I will say LaMichael Pirine, who, I'm, who I was pretty high on. I, I thought he I liked his uh, prospects uh, of being a Jets running back for a long time. Uh, referred to the Jets color of green as goblin green. Yeah, that was a little disappointing. But I yeah. have to say, the, these, and this is the same thing as last year, these uniforms at media day, and they're great on the field, but in these pictures, they're just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you really, the uniforms, so much of it is just about the color, and it look more like Kelly Greenish. They look yeah. a lot lighter in the light. So these are the things that matter. But him referring to it as goblin green is – you know, kind of enough. Yeah, we're going to need the veteran it. leadership to step in there. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell knew it was Gotham green. Come on. Um, so I guess let's just talk about CJ Mosley first. Then we'll talk about Brian Winters and some other things, and then we'll get out of here, but let's open up with CJ Mosley. Cause that's probably the biggest piece of news. Obviously people have read about it the last few days, but, uh, but we want to talk about is how is Greg Williams going to 
you know, address losing CJ Mosley and Jamal Adams his two best players, probably the two best players on the roster just a few days before training camp. Uh, Michael, I guess, I mean, obviously nobody has the answers at this point, but how do you feel about the Jets prospects of replacing CJ Mosley with the depth that they have at inside linebacker? Well, it was really disappointing when the news came out and obviously he has every right to make that decision. I'm not blaming him at all, but I was really looking forward to seeing him and Avery Williamson playing together. I think it had the potential to be a top five duo in the league, maybe even better than that. When you really look down the list, there aren't too many teams that have two off ball linebackers as a combo. Maybe that's not a good thing. (laughs) I mean, yeah, but, uh, but still, I was excited to see them play next to each other, but, you know, now they have to move on. And the good thing is that they do have a lot of depth at this position, not necessarily players who are, have been good starters before, but you have a lot of viable competitors and you only need one of them to step up and prove to be worthy of that. So you have Blake Cashman, Patrick Owasso, Neville Hewitt, uh, and James Burgess all there to compete for that starting spot next to Avery Williamson. And maybe it won't even be an every down starter next to Avery Williamson because you have such a versatile uh array of skill sets with those four players Cashman and Owasso are more uh, those guys are more skilled in coverage as rushers then Burgess and Hewitt are a little more downhill against the run game so there could be a lot of rotation between those guys but I'm really looking at Cashman and Owasso I think that's where the upside is Hewitt and Burgess I think are a little more established you know what they give you they can get downhill and finish but they're they really struggle in coverage and they miss a lot of tackles but Cashman, only going, he's going into his second year. So even though he struggled a lot last year, he also showed some really interesting versatility. He rushed off the edge quite a bit. Uh, he blitzed more times per game than any other linebacker on the roster. And the fact that he was the number three on the depth chart, um, the first one to replace Mosley when he went down, uh, as a rookie, fifth-round pick, shows a lot of confidence uh, from Greg Williams. So Greg's probably high on him, and hopefully that means that his potential is um, realistically good and that he can take a breakout. Uh, so I like Cash- Cashman's versatility. Uh, you also saw him covering outside man-to-man against tight ends sometimes. So he's a lot of versatility in the passing game. Uh, same thing goes for Owasso. He was up and down in Baltimore. Had a tough season last year where he's benched. But in 2018, he was fantastic both in coverage and as a blitzer. Produced quite a bit in both of those phases. So I'm looking at those two guys. Hopefully one of them can step up, but it, it's really good that the Jets have this depth with this position. Avery should be a solid starter. He's okay in coverage, and that's good enough to complement his very good run defense, which is probably top five at the position. So you know you're going to get that. They need some coverage, uh, and also he can help you as a blitzer. Williamson is good in that role, but in coverage is where you're going to need some help and to upgrade over last year. That's where uh, Mosley's impact was going to be really important. So hopefully Cashman or Owasso can prove worthy of, you know, just covering the hook zones, the middle of the field, man-to-man against tight ends. Sometimes you don't need that all the time. But just overall in the passing game, playing their role, not biting so hard on play action, all those are things that uh, the replacement struggled with last year. Cashman as a rookie, um, Hewitt and James Burgess. So if you can get Owasso or Cashman in the passing game to just give you some good production, some solid reliability, Uh, They should be able to survive. And the most important thing is that this is not a crucial position. It's important. And Mosley could have helped them a lot. I was really looking forward to seeing him play. But just like safety, it's not a crucial position. It's all about pass rush and coverage on the outside. That's where it all starts. So you don't need it to be good. But it can still kill you. So hopefully they can 
uh, do well in coverage, get someone out of those four to just step up. Right. And it does help that it's not happening in the middle of the season. Uh, and then when you look at it, considering that Mosley only played three healthy quarters, I mean, it still technically is an upgrade over last year's unit, considering everybody's coming back and then they're getting a healthy Avery Williamson. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I would still say it's not necessarily a, a weak spot for the Jets. It's just worse than it could have been. And especially after losing Jamal Adams, you know, I, I thought that his loss was going to be offset a lot, specifically in the run defense or in the run game by having Avery Williamson and C.J. Mosley back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, losing C.J. Mosley is definitely a blow. Um, there are some positives, I guess, you can look at if you, if you are the eternal optimist. Let's talk about those in a second. But, yeah, really quickly, just kind of hammering home everything you said. I think for Jets fans, Blake Cashman is the best hope um, to, to have a successful season because if he has a successful season, you could probably move on from Avery and pair him with C.J. Mosley in the future. As you said, it's just if he hits, he's a, a draft uh, pick that hit, which would be really nice for the roster. You know, it does help that Neville Hewitt was the Mike linebacker for 15 games, I believe, last year. Um, so, you know, I, I like the depth that they have, and Burgess did flash as well. And then, like you said, Owasu, I, I like his um, blitzing potential. Cashman, you're right. He has the, the profile to be a really good pass coverage inside linebacker. And in today's NFL, I would argue that's probably the most important trait in your inside linebacker is how he can handle those zone coverages over the middle. Um, and Cashman definitely has the physical profile to do it, did it in college, uh, you definitely struggled as a rookie, but you know, uh, if he can make a jump into his second year, it's not just quarterbacks that can make that jump. It's rookies in general. Just look at fully Fadakasi or Nathan Shepard. If Cashman can make, you know, a big jump from year one to year two uh, and really solidify himself against Avery Williamson, uh, this position's going to be fine. And I think it'll be fine regardless if it's Neville Hewitt or, or James Burgess or, or Patrick Onawasu. But um, just the fact that Cashman's a young guy who can provide long-term potential, that's who I really would like. Uh, to see step up and you know I think they're going to feel it in the run game I think their run defense is going to go down from I think they were the best run defense or top three run defense last year um, this year you know I think you're looking at more towards trying to be an upper average unit you know trying to be between the 13th and 15th um, you know in past defense it's really going to come down to that cornerback spot which has a lot of question marks but you know a guy like Pierre Desir has high upside Sean Austin has a lot of upside Quincy Wilson so you know a lot of question marks but uh, not necessarily dire uh, question marks where, you know, like the 2014 Jets with Dimitri Patterson and, and whatnot. I, I do like the prospects that the Jets have on defense. Um, but talking about potential, you know, positives from this, I guess it would be that, you know, Mosley does get another year to rehab that groin injury. I know some people would roll their eyes, but, you know, those, those core muscle injuries are very serious. And the fact that he had to have surgery on it and the fact that he wasn't even cutting until, you know, like a few months ago, uh, he's even mentioned that he's not fully healthy. Um, if it was just a, you know, a regular groin pull or whatever, he would have been back, you know, in a few weeks. But the fact that he missed the whole season, you know, outside of the unhealthy New England game, that points to that how serious this injury was, especially the fact that he got surgery after the year. So it does give him another year to get healthy, to be fully healthy. Um, it does uh, save the Jets some cap space. Uh, I guess the negative would be that they push – getting out of the contract, you know, another year, whereas I don't think Joe Douglas wants to be paying inside linebacker 17 or $19 million a year. So he was going to bite the bullet this year, pay him in 2021, and then he could get out of it. Now he's not going to be able to get out of it until 2022 when Mosley's 30. But, you know, I think that the Jets will be a competing team in 2021 and 2022. So you're going to have, you know, a healthy Mosley on the roster there. Um, you know, I also help, you know, for anybody who's, 
you know, fans of a tank or losing Adam Gase or whatever with Sam Darnold playing well. I know that's negative talk, but you know, there is a scenario now where the defense could be worse. Sam Darnold could still play well. The team could still be bad and Gase gets fired. I know that's not the things that a lot of Jets fans want to hear, but there is a certain segment of, of, of Jets fans who definitely want to get rid of Gase. So losing Mosley and, and Adams, you know, before training camp, you know, may help that a little bit. Um, but you know, th- there are some positives when you look at it from that front, the, the, the main one being that, you know, this isn't a year where the Jets are going to compete for a Super Bowl. So they're not going to burn a year of his contract. But next year and the year after that, those are years where I think the Jets will really, really start to turn the corner under Joe Douglas. So, you know, he could, he could be a big help there. But as we, as we said, I don't think this is a, a, you know, a, a need for the Jets. I don't think it's like uh, receiver, edge rusher, or something like that, where I'm like, ooh, I really don't know about the position. There's everybody in that middle linebacker, start, uh, in that middle linebacker spot on the roster has started games for the Jets. So, uh, you know, I'm not really worried about the position. Um, Michael, I guess we'll, we'll go to Brian Winters unless there's anything else you want to add on, on Mosley. Um, you know, his release was a bit of a, a surprise, I guess. I wasn't expecting him to start. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Brian Winters, but he is, you know, well-respected. The locker room has fought through a lot of injuries, did have a good two-year stretch there from 2015 to 2016. Um, but, you know, obviously Greg Van Roten fits Adam Gase's system a lot better. Uh, he has better grades all across the board. Uh, but Winters, you know, he's solid depth. Um, I, if, if Winters is your backup right guard and Van Roten or Lewis, whoever goes down, you can plug Winters in and be fine at the position. You know, he's an upgrade over Tom Compton as the back right, right guard. So a bit of a surprise. Obviously, he carries the big cap charge. But if you were trying to free cap space, wouldn't you do at the beginning of the offseason? From my understanding, a lot of it is basically – the uncertainty of the cap next year. So they cut him now, save some more money that rolls over to next year. Also with the release of Quincy Anunwa, they're going to bite a lot of Anunwa's contract this year. So they freed up that money with, with winters. So a lot of, it seems like it was a cap move. Um, but Michael, kind of what are your thoughts on Brian Winters release and then heading over to division rival Buffalo? Yeah, well, I, I thought it was surprising in the sense that, you know, as you said, at this point, you could have just kept him around as solid depth. I don't think he's a good starter. I think, I've made that pretty clear, some of the things that I've posted. But um, you could, he still could have been good depth. Like you said, Tom Compton was your backup guard last year. Winters is clearly much better than him. So he could have been a solid backup. And at this point, you don't really need the cap space necessarily since most of the free agency pool has kind of moved on. So that's kind of why I thought that cutting him could mean they have a move in mind. Nothing has happened since they did. Uh, make the cut, whether it's Jadevion Clowney, Logan Ryan, Vinnie Curry, uh, one of those players that are still out there. So it could be that, but at the same time, I think it might just be more of a, a vote of confidence in Van Rowen and also at the same time, just kind of pushing some cap space over into next year with the unpredictability of how the cap is going to play out. So it, it could be related to maybe wanting to make a play, uh, especially with those, all three of those guys I just mentioned are defensive players and all the talent that uh, considering all the talent they just lost with Mosley opting out and Adams being traded to kind of make up for that a little bit. Yeah, so especially, that, especially Clowney in the run game too. Yeah, that's going to be huge as well because Mosley and Adams, you know that they're both elite run defenders uh, and it's going to be hard for them to uh, maintain where they were last year uh, with their dominant run defense, but they should still be very good. But to be top two again, like they were with the Bucks last year is going to be tough. With it. Although they didn't have Mosley anyway, but especially with Adams, uh, and they're still going to have those uh, all those linebackers playing who last year missed a lot of tackles against the run. So those guys are going to have to improve. But 
back to Winters and the cap space. They could be doing something. I don't think so, but I think it's more about opening cap space for next year. In terms of the offensive line, it pencils in Lewis and Van Roten as the starters, but it also could be positive about Cameron Clark because now he's arguably your top, one of your top two backups at least because you have Harrison and Andrews. One of them will be the center. Uh, They can both play guard, so they'll be, both of those guys can back up at guard as well. But then after that, Cameron Clark is probably your top backup at guard. So it is a good vote of confidence, I think, for Clark as well as Van Rowen on his transition to the guard position that we expect him to make. Yeah, I think the, the one thing that this points to is, is I thought that uh, Jonathan Harrison might get the ax because they signed Josh Andrews. I figured, okay, well, he can be the backup center, and then your backup guards are Brian Winters and Cameron Clark. What this points to is, is Joe Douglas decided, you know what, that $7.5 million is, is worth more to me than the difference of play I'm going to get between Jonathan Harrison and Brian Winters. So it seems like Harrison should remain on the team as the backup center with Josh Andrews. You know, he might be the third-string center or whatever, but uh, – it seems like this is secured Harrison's spot on the roster, which, you know, as a backup, I guess, isn't horrible. But, you know, Michael yeah, and I... I mean, I guess you can do a lot worse as a backup. But right. I think we talked plenty as a starter. You cannot do any worse in yeah, terms I mean, of guys who did start. <laughs> he's but got In terms of the depth chart, you're probably looking at, like you said, Andrews is probably that third center, but Harrison will probably be the main guy there. Then Andrews can also play guard, Clark next to him. And then you have probably Adoga backing up George Fant. I think we all anticipated a competition, but I feel like Fant probably is going to be penciled into that considering his contract. So probably Udoga's your swing tackle. And then after that, uh, then that, whether or not they keep a 10th guy is where it gets interesting. I think they're going to keep keep... either Jared Hilbers, the undrafted free agent, who they gave the biggest guarantee of any of the offensive undrafted free agents they signed. So you have him. And there's also, uh, who was it? Oh, Connor McDermott, who starred for them at the end last year. So those are the two guys who could compete for that last tackle spot. They want to keep a 10th. Yeah. I was going to say, I think they might keep McDermott, especially if you yeah. heard Joe Douglas talk about him. Uh, I, I can't remember if it was, it was one of his press conferences in the spring, but he said, don't forget about Connor McDermott. And it's just, you know, you don't really hear a, a GM say that about a backup 10th offensive lineman, unless he likes him. So considering that Douglas likes him, unless that was just, you know, PR speak or whatever. Um, if he has a solid training camp, I do think they'll keep 10, especially when you saw the I think injuries. he's good friends with Sam too. I forget when it was. It was one of those, I think it was after the Raiders game where they said they saw him out somewhere and McDermott was one of the teammates with them. So well, then you he's, have got, that. he's got the in. Well, when yeah. you saw how many injuries the offensive line faced last year, it's like I wouldn't be as opposed to keeping Although 10. he went to UCLA, so I don't know why oh. Sam is friends with him. Uh, maybe not. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> Go with Hilbers. He's U-Dub, right? He's Washington? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's still Pac-12, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, these are, the, I guess, is the fun part about training camp, and we'll get more – of the prototypical training camp, you know, beat coverage uh, when, when the press can watch the practices and live tweet how Darnold. Yeah, it's not an off season without knowing right. Darnold's completion percentage and <laughs> seven on seven. Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say. But the fun part about training camp to me is yeah. The, the roster management, are you going to keep three running backs or four running backs, six receivers or seven receivers, three tight ends or four, t- you know, just deciding. Yeah, I remember last year we were as off as we've ever been because yeah, Douglas definitely. came in and cut like seven guys and brought in all of his I, own. And, and I think he might do that again. I mean, I still yeah. think there's a back half of this roster that he wants to uh, reinvigorate. I would keep an eye on the receiver spot. Uh, it seems like Braxton Berrios is in tremendous shape and Vincent Smith finished the season relatively strong. If somebody wiggles free, I think Douglas could sign people there. Uh, I just keep an eye out. You know, I guess we should 
talk a little bit about this now that we bring it up. What are some of the positions where you think there could be some surprise cuts or surprise makes? I'll start just to give you some time to think. Uh, the running back position, I would not be surprised. They did just release Trenton Cannon. I would not be surprised if they keep four and keep Josh Adams, who was a Douglas guy, was Philadelphia's leading rusher in 2018, I believe. Um, but he's really the only guy in that, that stable that brings uh, speed, that brings 40-yard dash speed, that, that, that breakaway uh, speed that th- that running back group does not have between Frank Gore and the Michael P. Ryan and Le'Veon Bell. Obviously a, a, a fine unit between those three, but they don't have somebody they can bring in as that change of pace. You can rip off a, you know, a 35 yard run. Um, so Michael, what are your thoughts on the potential of Josh Adams making it? And then are there other positions that you're looking at where you think there could be some surprise cuts or some surprise makes? Well, in terms of the running backs, I think um, you bring up a good point with Adams um, him being in Philadelphia, there is that connection with Douglas, but Kenneth, Kenneth Dixon is interesting as well. I think he, wasn't in Baltimore at the same time that Joe Douglas was, but we know that those connections kind of run like that throughout the NFL, even if a coach or GM or whoever it is, isn't necessarily with the team at a certain time. They, they maintain those connections with uh, the people they did work with. So Kenneth Dixon is interesting and he's been hurt a lot, but when he played, he averaged over five, he averaged 5.6 yards per carry in 2018. uh, And he's only 26 years old. So I think he's interesting. And like you said, four running backs could be an option with, you know, Adams and Kenneth Dixon as your fourth and fifth running backs. That's probably probably one of the better fourth and fifth running back duos in the league. So you could have a good option there. And then at receiver, I like what you said earlier about that. I think someone that's not on the team right now is going to make the team at wide receiver because this bottom of the wide receiver depth chart is very, very thin. Beyond the fourth and fifth spot, I'd like Vincent Smith and Braxton Berrios' potential. Both of them were top five returners last year. Smith is kickoff returner, Barrios is punt returner. Uh, but beyond them, it's really, you got two undrafted free agents with Cager and Campbell who are interesting, but they're undrafted free agents who dealt with a lot of injuries. Uh, then beyond that, Malone, uh, Jehu Chasson, and Jeff Smith, not a lot of production there. So Demaryius Thomas, I'm not sure if you actually said that in this one, but we talked about it a lot. I think he is an option to come back at right. some point they want to see their receivers in training camp and see how they perform and if, if Gase doesn't like it then yeah I think and that's can. a that's a good point too because having already you know Gase has already spent a lot of time with uh, Thomas in Denver also last year um that's really valuable with you know this offseason not having a lot of camp time and also you could just bring him in uh, feel comfortable about you know bringing him in and knowing that he can give you uh just understand the offense and fulfill his role so I like the uh, potential of Thomas eventually being brought back but if not him I think someone else is going to make this team that's not here right now because looking at this bottom of the depth chart there's just not a lot to be confident in it's just entirely project, uh, projection with no production to go off of so I think someone else is going to make it uh, on the receiver depth chart that isn't here yet yeah I think that's a good point uh, I'm trying to think of other guys around the, the roster the one that sticks out to me is defensive end edge rusher john franklin myers who yeah i was actually going to bring him up a few minutes ago when you first brought when you first well, uh, brought I, this I topic got, up. well i got dibs so <laughs> go ahead go just, ahead you're just copying Make your john now. franklin myers everyone <laughs> well he was he was a priority claim by douglas last offseason and then he missed the entire year with an injury he you know he played in the super bowl for the rams actually i mean you're going to be the one that might bring some analytics on john franklin myers so um but just he's one that that jumps out to me is i i know greg williams 
loves having rotation at the defensive line spot. I think you're going to see it a lot at linebackers as well. When we talk about the injuries uh, to Mosley or Mosley opting out, excuse me. Um, but Franklin Myers is a guy that's just intriguing uh, just with his experience and, and some of the production he had in LA. Um, the Jets are looking for some sort of edge presence. He is more of a 403 defensive end and Greg typically likes that. Um, and then when you're seeing, you know, he did draft Jabari Zuniga. So I think Greg does want to play a little bit more four three this year than he did last year. Um, I just, yeah, I'm intrigued by him. And I think when you look around this roster, he's one of those guys that people aren't really talking about, but I think he could steal a roster spot. I think, you know, he should still make it alongside guys like Nathan Shepard and, and uh, Kyle Phillips and Foley Fodder, those guys. But, you know, if it came down to it, if they were choosing between Shepard and, and John Franklin Myers for some reason, if they did get in one of the situations where they chose to keep four running backs and, or seven receivers or something, then I think they would probably lean towards Nathan Shepard just because of the production that he had last year and he was a third round pick. Uh, but I would just keep an eye on John Franklin Myers. If he has a solid training camp, he's definitely going to be on this team. Yeah. And he, had, in 2018, as a rookie, he was 41st out of 109 qualified edges uh, in, in pass rush productivity, which is pressure rate with more weight to sack. So he had a really good rookie season. He was just banged up last year and couldn't get on the field. He had a strip sack in the Super Bowl, as I think you said, but uh, yeah, he's interesting, especially considering the a lack of pass rushing juice on the edge. You can ignore other things, whether it's injuries, draft pedigree, run defense, because they need that one important skill so much that right. it's going to help guys like Franklin Myers uh, and Bryce Huff uh, as an undrafted free agent make this team because of how, how dire their need is for uh, pass rushing juice off the edge, especially with all the talent that you've lost already. And looking at this one article I did, ranking every player on the roster – um, and two of the guys in the header image out of five are not on the team already, Adams and Mosley. So it kind of shows you how these last couple of weeks have gone. But I'm rooting for Franklin Myers. Yeah, hopefully him and Bryce Huff have the most upside as pass rushers, I think, of the edge rushers on this roster. And Zuniga as well will be interesting. But in terms of this year, uh, obviously you give him uh, the rookie year pass in terms of development. So, I mean, Bryce Huff is an undrafted rookie too. But um, so I guess Huff... Franklin Myers and Zuniga are where your pass rushing upside is. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's pretty thin to put it lightly again. I yeah. Mean, guys like Zuniga and Huff and even John Franklin Myers might have a lot of upside, but as far as production, John Franklin Myers clearly brings that. Yeah. I, I mean, they have upside based on the fact that they're young, but the bottom line is they're probably not going to do anything. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, as fans, we, we can look at them and be optimistic. I am optimistic about Zuniga, but as you said, he is a rookie in Huff who we had on the podcast to do some film uh, breakdown. I was very impressed by him. I think he'll make it, but again, he's a rookie. Franklin Myers, though, I mean, right. Lorenzo Malden had upside. Frankie right. Lulu had upside. Atauchu had upside. So Devin Smith had upside. Chad <laughs> Hansen had a nickname for a year. Um, but yeah, I just think that, uh, with Franklin Myers, like you just put it 41st at 109th, that's obviously not great. That's probably Jordan Jenkins territory, maybe better, but, um, that's at least just deserving of playing time. So I think the jets will keep on to any, hold on to any sort of pass rushing production that they can get. So I think he'll make it. All right. So that'll do it for this episode of the cool your jets podcast. As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, uh, Michael and I have a lot more coming from the CYJ feed. Uh, our goal is pretty much to have three to four podcast episodes every week. Um, we're going to be recording later today with Robbie Sabo about Adam Gase's offense, breaking down some of the tendencies. We're going to be going through a few drives with Robbie, um, just talking about the things that we want to see Adam do more of in, in 2021 and some of the things that 
uh, we don't want to see him do. Um, so be on the lookout for that. That'll be coming in the next few days. Michael and I also are recording an episode on um, the uh, statistical expectations for Sam Darnold article that, that Michael wrote at Jets X Factor that you can find. So that'll be coming out in the next few days. Um, so yeah, as I said, just three to four podcast episodes every week is kind of what, what our goal is. Just trying to give you guys as much content as possible. Uh, you can follow us at CYJ pod on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania. You can follow myself at Ben W Blessington. Um, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or iTunes or Spotify. We are now uploading on jets X factors, YouTube. So you can find us there. We're getting a lot of love there. So we appreciate that. Uh, and you can find us on jets X factors website as well. Um, best place to go for jets content. If you're a dire jets fan, just go check it out. Uh, I guarantee you'll love the content there. I really think they're building the best Jets website easily. I think that's all the plugs I have. So just Michael and I are really excited to get this football season kicked off. I really hope they can make it through an entire season. These last few months have been pretty uh, stressful and awful. So I know we could all use uh, an NFL season to take our minds off of things. And of course we need our Jets football every week to get our, our weekly dose of misery. Um, so yeah, that'll do it for us. Everybody just stay healthy, stay happy and uh, go Jets. Ronald takes the snap, looks left under pressure. Oh, it's one over the middle. Yes.